Welcome to an emergency edition of Inside the Hive. I am your host, Nick Bilton, and I have a very special guest who is here for the emergency. Can we do the, the noise? <laughs> Emily Jane Fox, welcome. What was that noise? <laughs> it's like one of those emergency like noises because this is an emergency that. podcast. You can maybe practice that a little bit. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna jump into we're gonna do this. This is gonna be quick, intense, uh, sad. Uh, Mueller report. We haven't seen it, but we're still gonna talk about it like we know what it actually says. Mm-hmm. Um, you have lots of thoughts. I have some thoughts. I'm gonna come right out of the gate, uh, and um, I'm gonna ask you what you think of the of what we've seen so far. Okay, well, we haven't seen anything. That's my first thought. We What we've seen is a, what, a four-page summary from a Trump-appointed attorney general. It does not have a single full-sentence quote from the report that Mueller delivered to him on Friday. Uh, it and, and what he does quote seems like I want to know a lot more about what's in the rest of those sentences. He provided, you know, a number of of people who were interviewed and the number of indictments that have been brought down, but there's no page number of how many pages the Mueller report comes in at. And I feel like that's a valuable thing for us to know. So what we have seen is a summary uh, that is an important summary, but it is certainly not the whole picture. And my first thought is this is a good day for America. Our president did not collude with Russians as far as we know. And that is something that we should all be really happy about. We don't want someone who's in the Oval Office who is a foreign agent and someone who is so closely colluding with Russia. That's something that no no one wanted out of this. So good day for that. Also a good day that the Mueller report and the Mueller investigation was allowed to come to a conclusion. We were so worried for so long that Trump was going to fire him or fire Rosenstein or uh, any number of situations that could have led to an investigation being really, truly impeded. And that didn't happen. And that's a good thing also. Uh, I think that we need to be a little bit patient, which is very hard because these are very consequential matters. And we've been waiting for two years to understand what went on and what has gone on within those two years. And so it's hard to ask people to say, just hold on a little bit more. And this could take hours or days or weeks or months and potentially years to know exactly what is in that report. But it is important to wait and learn from it. So I have a question. So last week I had Jennifer Palmieri on the show and I said to her, one of the last questions I asked her was, and it was right before the, the report came out, I said, what do you think the report is going to say when it comes out? And she said, uh, I think we've already seen the report. And I think that we have seen it take place over the past two years with the indictments that have come through. And so I'm just going to, for listeners, read off a list of a few. We've got George Papadopoulos, who was charged in 2017, he served 14 days in jail. You got Manafort, who's now going to serve seven years in jail, was charged in 2017. You've got Rick Gates, who's awaiting sentencing. You've got Michael Flynn awaiting sentencing. You've got Alex Vanderswan, 30 days in jail. I mean, the list just goes on and on. You've got you've got all these these the IRA. I mean, so the yeah the IRA, the Internet Research Agency. You've got uh, Panetto, six months. Kilmick. You've got all these people who were charged, indicted, arrested, and and the and the theory that from people I've spoken to, which makes total total sense, is that Mueller thought that the thing was going to get shut down at some point, uh, and so he figured let's just charge them as we can, and that we actually it's kind of like. A, a movie where you, you know at the end you didn't realize you've you've been watching the movie the entire time. Where uh, this is, we've seen the the results of this report. 
Now, let me ask you a question. So if that is the case, and let's just pretend that these people had never been indicted, and the report came out on Friday, and the weekend was spent by the FBI arresting these people, wouldn't this be like a, holy shit, this report is insane moment? You're 100% spot on. There were 34 individuals, and I think three or four organizations or companies that were indicted. Can you imagine this? Like, I think about this a lot. Michael Cohen's uh, home, hotel room, and office uh, were searched almost exactly a year ago, and there were 12 FBI agents, I believe, at each of those locations. Think about that happening 37 or 38 times in places across the country this weekend. If that had all happened at once, it would have felt like like the craziest federal invasion, a rightful invasion in the entire world. So it is, it is remarkable. But why aren't people talking about that? All they're talking about is, oh, well, he didn't collude with Russia. Well, there are a couple of reasons. There's, okay. there's a couple of reasons. <laughs> Say all you want about our president, but he is a fucking good brander, right? And so he basically created a false binary over the last two years where if they did not find that he colluded, that the Mueller report would have concluded nothing, right? So people have kind of bought into that, that there's no collusion, no collusion, no collusion. Okay, the report found that Uh, supposedly, that Trump did not collude with the Russians. That doesn't mean that there were not 37 people and organizations who do not do weird shit when it came to Russia during the election, who do not lie about their connections and communications with Russians throughout the campaign and into the White House, who do not have meetings, who do not commit financial crimes, who do not do all sorts of illegal activity throughout the time that they were related to President Trump or his campaign. And so I think part of this is because Trump created this false choice that either he colluded or nothing bad happened. And then I think part of it is So that, wait, yeah, hold yeah. on. Let me just interrupt for one second. So are you saying, and this actually makes a lot of sense, um, but are you saying that when he kept tweeting for the last year and a half, witch hunt, no collusion, no collusion, no collusion, it was that he knew there was no collusion and that he knew all these other people had done all this bad shit and then he was the one creating the narrative? Or was it the Democrats who were so focused on collusion, therefore leading to possible impeachment that focused on it? Or was both. it both? I think it was both. I, I don't think, I never buy into the narrative that Trump is like, has this grand master plan and he knows better than every everyone and is planning two years in advance. Like that's just not how he operates. But he he did know whether or not he had that phone call with Putin that said, hey, buddy, can you rig some voting machines and, and slide the election my way? He was probably the only person who knew that that call didn't happen. And unless you have that call, it's very hard to charge someone with collusion or I guess conspiracy, because I don't know if collusion is even a crime. Um, but so so, yes, he knew that. I also think he he knew that his base and his supporters and the American people could swallow that message of either collusion or no collusion. And if he thought there was no collusion, then you make it a false choice. I have a, a friend who works in um, uh, in Hollywood as a screenwriter, and and he was telling me at one point a few years ago, I, you know, the, the trick to screenwriting is that most people are stupid and that you have to think about it as people being dumb watching a movie. And so it's like, Bob like Jane, Bob hit Frank for Jane. You know, it's like very kind of uh, people, cavemen and cavewomen watching this thing and it has to come down to its simplest form because that's all uh, stupid people can really understand. And it seems like what Trump taps into is our stupidity that we're willing to focus on one thing 
uh, and not the the larger all these thirty seven other things. Is that right? Well, I don't I don't like to paint Americans as stupid, and I don't want to paint mm. Trump supporters as stupid. But I will say this: what's hap- what happened with Russia and the various people, the tens and tens of people who have been charged or indicted or going to prison or have gone to prison, it's complicated, right? Their, their stories are complicated. The crimes they committed are complicated. Many of them have committed different kinds of crimes. Some of them are not related to Trump at all. Some of them happened long before they knew Trump or were related to their own financial situations. And so those things take time to explain. And I think Americans don't want to have this complicated legal analysis every time they talk about people. They want to know, colluded or not colluded, right? And that's that's why I think we've gotten to where we are. And plus, I think people really wanted to see this guy go down. I really think that that's a huge part of this. Like, I, I, had, I talked to someone a few weeks ago who is not a journalist and not... Um, a, a someone in politics, but someone who's very clued into this and, and is a close watcher of everything that was going on. And this person said to me, "Am I am I the person with the tinfoil hat, like tuned into cable news? Am I the crazy person for thinking that this guy is going to be taken down by Mueller?" And I've been thinking about that a lot since the report uh, was delivered to the Attorney General, and and thinking about the coverage over the last two years. And in some ways, I think a lot of people were the people with the tinfoil hats thinking that there was going to be this call between Trump and Putin that would prove everything and it would get him out of the White House. But I don't think that that's what we need here. And I don't think that that's what's important. And I actually think, I woke up today feeling like, thank God we can stop talking about this. And we can actually talk about things that are going to impact the election in 2020 that do actually matter to the American people. It's a good thing that there was no collusion. And I think Trump, whatever happens to him going forward, he is going to be probed and his business is going to be probed and his family is going to be probed within an inch of their lives. And they're, all the all the stuff that Mueller probably found in this two years of investigation that had nothing to do with the mandate is going to be farmed out or has already been farmed out to places like the Southern District of New York or the Eastern District of Virginia or or the District of Columbia uh, or various attorneys general across the country. And this is not going to go away for him. Just this one particular investigation is over. Yeah, I mean, I think, look, at the end of the day, I think that... um uh, that it is, it falls on all of us because we were so focused on if it was going to bring him down, and uh, and we all kind of, it's not. I mean, look, the the thing that is so exacerbating is the fact that you have, and this is where you know the the part where my brain kind of doesn't compute this whole thing. You have this. We get this four page letter. And in the letter, it simply says, he did not collude, but he's not exonerated. And then, of course, Trump has to do what Trump does. And he has to, he, ha- he could have just literally taken, tweeted that he didn't collude, but he has to tweet in all caps, a total and an utter exoneration. And, and it, it just, the whole thing just, it's all, it, the part that really upsets me is that it's all bullshit. And, it all comes down to, at the end of the day, uh, a distraction from what's really going on uh, in the White House and in the gov- in government and so on, and a distraction from the fact that the Democrats don't know how to take Trump on, 
And I, it's like we've been talking about this thing for two years, and at the end of the day, we're back exactly where we were two years I ago. I don't think we are, and I'll tell you why. I get your, I, your I, frustration I need a little optimism and here. your Thank sentiment. You. I actually think, in a weird way, this is sort of a gift to Democrats. I think it would have been incredibly tricky and politically inexpedient for them to have had to make a decision about whether to impeach him. And we would have spent yep. the next year and a half focused on, do we impeach him? Do we not impeach him? Is this politically expedient? Is this the right thing to do? Are we letting someone get away with bad shit? And so in in, in that way, I mean, we don't know. Uh, obstruction of justice should be looked at really seriously. We have absolutely no idea if he obstructed justice. The only thing we did learn from the letter that Barr put out yesterday was that we don't know if he if he committed obstruction of justice. And I think to let someone in the Oval Office go for obstructing justice is just like the worst precedent that we could possibly set. So that is still to be determined. It's a very big thing left to determine. But I think that that having this collusion question settled lets the Democrats off the hook. And now for the next year and a half, they can probe every aspect that has gone in the White House. We should get to the bottom of, of how Jared Kushner was given a security clearance. We should get to the bottom of why babies are still in cages and, you know, hundreds of children can't be reunited with their parents. And then Democratic candidates who are on the trail for 2020 need to focus on the fact that there are natural disasters. There are floods happening in Nebraska right now that are devastating to farmers. And those farmers are Trump's base. Those are winnable people for Democrats if they feel like the president is leaving them behind. The president has actively sought to not give money to places like Puerto Rico who are still recovering from a hurricane you know, a year and a half ago. And so these are the things that Democrats need to be able to focus on. And, and that's going to let them win. If they don't have to spend their time on the campaign trail talking about Robert Mueller and Russian collusion, that's a gift to them. And then the key here is hopefully them being able to harness that gift and actually use it and capitalize on it. Okay, so <clears throat> here's a question for yeah. you. There is a report from this analytics firm, Newswhip, that says that since May of 2017, 533,074 web articles have been published about Russia and Trump uh, and Mueller, generating 245 million interactions, including likes, comments, and shares on Twitter, Facebook, blah, 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 blah. How it, do you, and I know this kind of puts us in this culpable situation here, but do you think that the the media was right in covering this the way it was covered or did the media in general go too far? And I am putting myself in that bucket because we've talked about this quite a bit on the show. Uh, was it, was it kind of like we were looking at the wrong thing? I, I think this is the kind of thing that uh, we'll need to, if you ask me this question in six months from now, I think I'll have a better answer. But I, I think that, that a special counsel investigating Russian collusion with the President of the United States deserves attention. And That's a good point. I think That's a good that point. this is something that is a, a foundation of our democracy and a guy who is probably the most powerful person in the world. And if that's being investigated, then we should cover that. That's a big deal. Think about the coverage of Clinton's is Ken Starr's investigation into Clinton. I was looking Clinton, at it. I was looking like at it last night. Ridiculous. Yeah, it was. I was looking last night. I was watching some videos on YouTube. The funniest part is uh, when you go back and you look at it, it's it's all the same people today. It's it's Laura Ingram, it's Ann Coulter, 
it's uh, George Conway and Kellyanne Conway. They were like at the, they were on TV, left, right, and central. They were uh, in Lindsey the center Graham, of this. They were pushing. Of uh, Brett Kavanaugh, like it's all of these people who were doing the ex- the exact opposite of that they're doing today. They were on the other side of the table, defending, arguing, pushing for um, this whole thing, and searching for anything they could to take down take down Bill Clinton. Of that's course, why it's being so mid-term. rich. Yeah, yeah, that's yes, why and that's so that's the thing that I think is. Uh, the irony of all of this. All right, so so a last couple of questions, and then I have one one non-Trumpy. I guess it's still a Trumpy question, but you know where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, how does this? How do you think this affects um, twenty twenty? And I and I just to go back a minute when I said that statement about like you know us us being stupid. I I what I mean to say with that is that I don't think that that people. I think it's incredibly difficult to understand all these topics or any of these topics for the most part and that they have to be simplified to the, really to to these distilled kind of almost tweet length things for people to comprehend them and when you look at this and I think this is what Donald Trump actually does really fucking well he's amazing at simplifying things down to just the the simplest simplest form he's also incredible at at at, at how he manipulates the media to talk about the things he wants but he he has done this. He's going to do this. He's going to take advantage of this moment. It's not going to be the Trump rallies for 2020. It's not going to be build a wall. It's going to be no collusion, no collusion, no collusion. How do the Democrats actually respond to this in a simplified way uh, that allows people to understand, voters to understand what happened? Uh, here's what I will say. And I I watched an interview yesterday that, Pete Buttigieg did with Van Jones on CNN, and he had the best answer for this. I've, I can consistently impress every single time I hear that guy open his mouth. I agree uh, completely. Like tr- truly, um, I just want to keep listening to him. I would love a live stream of just him answering questions. Um, so what Van Jones basically said. Uh, what happens if we find out there's no collusion? And this was on Saturday, I think, that the interview ran. So Barr's report hadn't come out yet. And Mayor Pete said, look, the American people aren't waiting for an answer on whether or not Trump is a bad guy. Like, no one's sitting there in the heartland where I'm the mayor thinking, like, we need a smoking gun to prove that the president's a bad guy. Like, we already know he's a bad guy. And they went to the ballot box knowing that he was a bad guy and cast their vote for him anyway. And so what we need to do is get to the root of why people would be willing to put someone like Donald Trump in the Oval Office and understand why they're making that kind of illogical, irrational choice and get to the to root the root of that. Otherwise you're going to end up with someone who's just like Trump again. And so I think what Democrats need to do is get to the underlying anxiety that led people to feel like they wanted to blow up the whole system and put in someone like Donald Trump. And if they're able to address those anxieties and if a sane person is able to do that, that's how I think that that the Democrats win. Okay, from your mouth to, to God's ears. Yeah. Um, uh, so a couple of other questions. Is there anything else, anything Mueller-related I'm missing before we move on? Because I know we have to wait for the report to come out. Do you think it's going to come out, and how long do you think it'll take? I mean, is there... I don't know. I think... Uh, I don't know. I, I think, it, think it will come out. I think that there will be parts that are heavily redacted. Um, 
I will say that that the people who I've spoken to in the White House, around the White House today, um, especially people who are close to the first family, are just on a victory lap of all victory laps. Oh, of laps. course. Of course. And they were, it sounded like they won the election all over again. Um, yeah, that's a really, honestly, a really they were honestly I, talking to them today and having talked to them after the election, these, this same group of people, uh, they were happier today than they were after the election day. <laughs> Doesn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I think they were more shocked after election day. And there than, was definitely a shell shock quality to them today. It was more like, we told you so we said no collusion all along and no one listened and we we're totally vindicated. But what about but Donnie Jr. Jared? They lied. It's they distinctly lied. I don't lied know why you lie oath. if you didn't do anything. But here's what I will say: I do not think that because Mueller didn't find a way to prosecute for collusion, that there wasn't shady shit that happened, and that potentially other people could investigate it. But I'm just going to let it stand for now. I'm not going to say things are going to be different someday and and get people's hopes up that people who are hoping that that will happen for whatever reason, I don't want to say that that's down the road. I just, you know, let's not close any doors today. I will say that um, I think that uh, there is a possibility, and I've heard this from a couple of folks that I spoke to, that um, the uh, the SDNY, so if, let's just say that Mueller had indicted Jared or Donnie Jr. or something like that, Trump could have very easily pardoned them sure. um, and probably would have. And that that there's a theory, it's just a theory, that um, Mueller uh, knew that. And so uh, he's giving all of this information to SDNY, which can prosecute on a state level, which, of course, uh, cannot be pardoned. But I, don't, I don't know what the crime knows? is. So it's hard for me to say that that's true i don't i think yeah. stranger things have happened i would not be like completely shocked if that happened but who know who knows speaking who knows? of the sdny i know what you're gonna ask me what am i gonna ask you we uh well we have some news out of the michael avenatti front today and it happened so I, just- i'm just gonna i'm just gonna preface this with the first time i met avenatti in person was with you at the vanity fair new establishment summit mm-hmm. and um and you, uh, and he was at the time was he was like I am the guy that's good, the only person that can beat Donald Trump because I can go into the ring with him and and since then his life has taken quite a few turns and today this week he was I mean tell us what's going on okay before I explain what happened I just want to let you and the rest of your listeners know that I swear to God I have a sixth sense when it comes to Michael Avenatti and it's the truly the most useless sixth sense, but I have it. So when he was arrested, uh, I guess last fall in Los Angeles for uh, a domestic violence case that he was ultimately not charged with or prosecuted for, um, I was in a meeting with somebody at the time. I was actually in Los Angeles doing reporting on um, a story on Hope Hicks, the former White House communications director that we had in our, our Hollywood issue for the magazine. And I was in a meeting with somebody and the person who I was meeting with said to me, what do you think of Michael Avenatti? Because I had just done this interview with him at the Vanity Fair Summit, and I had interacted with him a great deal over the last year covering Michael Cohen. 
And I said, you know what? I just have this really bad feeling that something's going to happen with him. I don't know why. And people really like him, but I have this like super bad feeling about him. And I got out of the meeting and I had 75 text messages. And that's generally what happens when news breaks and I don't check my phone. And Michael Avenatti had been arrested for that domestic violence um, accusation. And today, I was in a meeting and I got out and I had 75 text messages and Michael Avani had been charged uh, by two U.S. attorney's offices, one in New York and one in California. And I just have this sixth sense. I, oh, I, I forgot to tell you. So I was in this meeting and someone said to me, um, you know, it's funny, we don't hear from Michael Avani anymore. And I was like, it's so funny. I was just thinking about him this morning. And because uh, Michael Avenatti has been very vocal about seeing Don Jr. in an orange jumpsuit. And so I, he just had been on my mind today because Don Jr. was not charged. And I thought about him and then he came up in this meeting and then he, I came out of the meeting and um, he had been charged and arrested on these two things. So what happened in these these two cases is in New York, uh, he was charged with, I don't know what the technical legal count he was charged on, but he was basically extorting, extorting Nike. Yeah. He had gone to Nike uh, and said, we have this very damaging piece of information. And he didn't, wasn't threatening a lawsuit because that is, um, I don't think that that's technically extortion. But he was saying, if you don't pay me X number of millions and millions of dollars, I will make this very damaging information come out and I will make it happen around the March Madness tournament and I will make it happen around your earnings call and I will cost you millions of dollars if you don't hire me and pay my firm 20-something million dollars to conduct this internal investigation. And Nike went to the Southern District of New York and said, this is happening, we're being extorted and they started recording conversations and meetings and uh, the Southern District, very swiftly, they said within a week, were able to bring this case against him. Now, simultaneously, investigators in California were looking into him for tax violations. And, and what he was doing was not only was he avoiding paying income taxes for years, but he was monkeying around with his client's money, which is the most serious offense as a lawyer. It's instantly disbarable. And uh, w what he was doing is these client trust accounts where he was getting settlements for them. He would put money in them and basically robbing Peter to pay Paul, where he was taking money out of these accounts and uh, using them to, to f as the, the investigator said today in a press conference, basically fund his lavish lifestyle. He was paying $100,000 in rent on a Newport condo. He had a condo in Los Angeles. He was investing in all these race car businesses and coffee companies. And he was doing it by not paying taxes and by using his clients' money. And so he was arrested on both of those things in New York today. And I think as we speak, just several blocks from our office here at Vanity Fair, he is being arraigned in court in the Southern District of New York. And he's probably, if they, were, if they were able to bring a case within one week, he is probably going to go to jail for a very long period of well, time, you I don't, would imagine. Well, I kept thinking about this. So Michael Cohen, who's due to pr uh, present himself in, in federal prison, start serving a three-year sentence next month or in a month, five weeks from now, uh, was charged on some tax violations in New York and along with campaign finance stuff, he got sentenced to three years in prison. So I don't think the judges here in the Southern District, and I can't imagine they would in California either, have a lot of leniency for figures like M Michael Avenatti. Oh, my goodness. It Crazy. Just stop. Only this cast of characters. 
only the no, people that have been involved in the Trump show. On all sides. It's like, it's it, the news is drunk and it just needs to go home. You know, it's funny because you read all these books. There's, there's like the, the, the Trump takes downs and the, and the Clinton takedowns. And, the, and I, I would just love, and you, of course, wrote an amazing book about the Trump kids oh, called Born you. Trump, which you can get on the internet. And, I love you. But I will... I would want to read. I want to read a book about all of them, like a Game of Thrones. Like they're all awful, and there's like one good person, and it's Mayor Pete, and who saves the day. Is this your fanfic? The, this is my fanfic. Yeah, totally. I think we should write it. <laughs> it sounds like a book proposal uh, to me. All right, so I'm going to ask you one last question. Mm-hmm. Um, can you predict what? How you think the the Mueller stuff's going to play out? totally made up of course in your mind but what do you how do you think this is gonna do you think it's gonna it's gonna leak in a full full on leak to to the dems does it leak to the media does it does Barr put it out does it does it it turn out that it actually is much worse for trump than we anticipated how did how does the uh how does the next chapter in my fanfic Well, I'm not in the business of writing fanfic. Here's what I will say. I think that the obstruction stuff is going to be way juicier than Barr let on. I'm very curious to see that. I think that there's going to be a lot of partisan fighting, unsurprisingly, ahead that could go on for months about this. I don't see this leaking in a traditional way, but (sighs) Mueller's team has been so tight-lipped. They have been the, the fact that there have not been any leaks out of that office has been tremendous. But don't you just want these people, if if it is true that their work is being not completely presented in an accurate fashion, don't you just want one of those 17 angry Democrats to like say, <laughs> hey, reporter over there, this is not being accurately reported. And, and just to protect the integrity of our work. Let's just get this I, right. Well, that's that's my fanfic. Is that like one Mueller angry Democrat goes rogue? Well, I believe so. I mean, look, the, the, the stories on Friday leading up to the announcement of, of the report being delivered that um, that the way Mueller kept it, everything kept no leaks and he wouldn't allow the lawyers to have their cell phones in the office. And there were all these things that they did that, that, um, often take place actually at the FBI and places like that to stop things from leaking out. And, and it worked, but they're all going to be going home soon. And I, and I, it's not just them. I still believe this. Mueller is a good man who is an honest man who did his job and he did it correctly and he didn't force collusion. I'm sure he despises Donald Trump because he, he Mueller some, seems like someone from all the things I've read about him that cares about America more than anything. Um, and But I, at this, in the same breath, I can't imagine if that report is, is not being delivered properly that he will be okay with that um, because – at the end of the day, it's two years of his life, uh, and there has to be things in there. If he, if he, if there weren't, he would not have written that there was no um, uh, what he wrote about Trump. Um, that while there was no collusion, there were still other aspects of things that he couldn't rule out, including obstruction and so on. Um, and I think that I, I hope. That if it doesn't come out, that Mueller doesn't. Well, he will be called to testify. I'm sure the Democrats will try and get him to testify on Capitol Hill. I don't know how much he'll be able to say, but I just think transparency. What is it? Sunlight's the best disinfectant. So let it let it shine. 
And with that, that concludes our emergency podcast. Yeah, keep working on that. Did I get better? Not, not really. Um, all right. I'm going to do a quick thank you. Thank you, of course, to my guest, you, Emily Jane Fox. Um, if you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of Inside the Hive with Nick Bilton. That's me. You can find these on Apple Podcasts, Radio.com, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review while you're there. Emily, please tell them to leave a review. Oh, please leave Emily. a review. Thank, thank you very much. Clearly, you were leaving a review at that moment in time. Thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work. And... I will see you all at the end of the week for our regular scheduled programming.